Welcome to AEC Marketing for Principals, brought to you by Smartages, where we help design and construction firms navigate sales and leverage marketing to win more projects. Here are your hosts, Katie Cash and Judy Sparks. Hi there, and welcome to another episode of AEC Marketing for Principals podcast. I'm your host, Katie Cash, and as always, I am joined by my partner in strategy, also my boss, Miss Judy Sparks, the founder and president of Smartages, a full-service marketing agency servicing the design and construction space. So welcome, Judy. Thank you, Katie. Great to be here. Excited to talk to one of our favorite clients today. Yep. And so for all of you listeners out there today, we are excited to bring to you Miss Brenda Christman. Brenda is the Senior Vice President for Marketing and Communications for Hunt Companies. And we have enjoyed working alongside her for a couple years now and really wanted to have a chance to bring her on the show and have her share her journey with us in terms of how she got into the industry and what she's doing day in the life of a Senior Vice President for Marketing and Communications for such a global brand such as Hunt and really just um, celebrate all things marketing and design and construction. So Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us and thanks for carving out some time to talk with us today. Thanks, Katie. Thanks, Judy. I'm excited to be here as well. Perfect. So for those of um, listeners out there, Ms. Brenda, if you don't mind, could you share maybe, you know, a couple minute overview of who Hunt is and what, you know, what is all underneath the umbrella of the Hunt companies? I would be very happy to. Hunt is a global enterprise. It's a holding company that invests in businesses in the real estate and infrastructure markets and sectors. We currently employ about 6,000 people across the globe uh, from our holding company, um, Hunt Companies, Inc., across all of our affiliate companies, uh, and some very well-known brand names within uh, the companies that are are part of the Hunt family of companies, uh, firms like Pinnacle, which is a very well-known, very well-respected third-party uh, multifamily property uh, manager. And uh, Amber Infrastructure, which may be not as well-known here in the U.S., but is based in London. And they are um, a global, well-known infrastructure company um, that is now part of the Hunt family of companies as well. So I've been with Hunt you know, about eight and a half years now, and we've grown really substantially in that period of time um, and have acquired a lot of really great synergistic businesses. That is so great. And, you know, congratulations on what you guys have achieved. I know that that is no small feat as you go through and, you know, look for firms to acquire, to get them you know, brought into the Hunt family to, you know, help onboard them in terms of your, your marketing team support and what you can do to help them. And, uh, you know, just want to say congratulations to you and your team for what you guys have been doing. It's very impressive and, and something to celebrate. Thanks. It's, uh, it's always exciting. It's always interesting. Never dull. Um, in, uh, in the eight and a half years I've been with Hunt, we've uh, done 12 acquisitions. And so it is um, pretty intense and always cha- an always changing landscape. So it um, keeps me on my toes. Yeah. And I think you guys like to buy just about every kind of company out there. So it's not like you're just now learning about architecture. You'll, you'll buy a construction firm, you'll buy an engineering firm, you'll, you know, oh, what do you know? We want a maintenance firm too. And you, you kind of have everything like an umbrella over there. And I would imagine that, that the learning curve of, of um, you know, not just those companies, but their services and how they fit into the overarching, you know, strategy is, um, is always a moving target. I can just imagine what that looks like. And it is, it is. It, it, I'm sorry, go ahead, Judy. 
Oh, I was just going to say, and what you've achieved as a professional marketer in that environment is really phenomenal um, to touch corporate real estate, to touch design, to touch construction. And then oftentimes, you know, Hunt is the owner actually being the developer and and hiring outside firms to perform those matters. And um, it's really important and impressive that you know, in the center of all that, you have this really amazing marketing and communications infrastructure that keeps everything consistent and synergistic, I think is the word you used. Um, And it all plays well together. So what you've done is fascinating. And, you know, I just want to get right in there and talk about how did you do that, Brenda? So many marketers in our industry, you know, they fall into the profession. They either start on the Um, admin side or they come from the project side, but very few marketers go to college and say, hey, I want to be a a marketing professional in the professional service space. That's my dream, right? (laughs) So, (laughs) and then if you're fortunate like us and we, you fall into this niche and you fall in love with it and you found your calling, um, really to be able to, you know, go through the ranks and find yourself at the C-suite table um, helping make strategic decisions and managing the image and um, communications uh, across several different brands and brand architectures. Um, talk to us a little bit about what that looks like from a career perspective. How did you get to where you are? Well, I mean, it's been uh, a long, windy road. I uh, always wanted to be in, uh, a journalist and, and be in broadcasting, and that's from my earliest memory of what I knew I was going to do with my life, uh, all the way through high school and college, that was my goal. Um, I got my first job in radio broadcasting when I was 16, and a local radio station, WSPY in Illinois. And uh, just shout out, a little shout out to my to my peeps <laughs> over there. But um, and I was so grateful for that. What a great experience! I started there as a receptionist and just wanted so badly to be on the air and to be part of the broadcasting team. And so um, they took lots of chances with me and let me do read the weather and do the news and, you know, run the board. And it was just really um, a great launching pad and just fueled my passion for for wanting to be in that business. Um, As I moved through college, I studied journalism. I was a journalism communications major um, with a political science uh, minor. I was going to be Barbara Walters. That is what we all wanted, right? <laughs> um, but <laughs> as I got out into the real world, once I graduated from, from college, and I worked in um, TV and radio all through college, I went on to uh, work for um, a CBS affiliate uh, in Las Vegas. And I very quickly realized that it wasn't my um, cup of tea, that it was it's a little, um, it, it just didn't fit my personality out there as, as, I, as well as I thought it would. Um, and it was just a really a tough business to be in. And, and not a very, it was very gritty and um, sort of mostly backstabby. It was very backstabby. Um, and I just thought, is this what I really want to do for the rest of my life? I know that's what I always thought I wanted, but um, maybe there's something else out there. And I literally fell into a marketing job at a resort uh, there in Las Vegas. And I was at the bottom, bottom of the totem pole. My office was above the bowling alley, just so you know, that's where I started. You got great sound acoustics, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) So it was an interesting, interesting place to start. And I was doing, you know, the the most menial work, but I loved it so much. And um, it just 
utilized all the facets of the things I thought I was good at. Um, and I got to exercise all those things there. I got to do, you know, PR and um, we had entertainers come in. So I got to organize, uh, you know, entertainers who were performing and um, logistics of grand openings. And it was just really um, hit the ground running kind of uh, vertical learning. And I worked in several different kinds of hotel casino developments uh, during my time in Vegas. And ended up in retail development, um, just sort of as a natural transition. I, I moved from, from being a publicist to being a um, marketing manager to being a marketing director and just um, kept moving up and, and learning more every time I, I had an opportunity. And I worked for General Growth Properties, which is a very large um, you know, global retail property manager and, and developer and um, marketing and did property management with them as well. So I kind of moved into a whole new direction. I don't know, my philosophy always is, what can I learn here? What can I, where can I grow? What can I do different and new? Um, and I think that served me really well. So I, I did retail development for a long time. And that was sort of a very natural transition from that to a broader, broader retail or broader uh, real estate world um, when I joined LendLease. And I joined LendLease in Denver and we were opening a brand new office there, a brand new division of the company. And so I had the opportunity to, you know, just, um, you know, introduce that business to this market. And, you know, that was really great learning. And I, and I learned what I learned most there in that, in that role was uh, the idea of teamwork. And it was the, it was the really one of the best environments I've ever worked in. We had a very, you know, small-ish, 20, 25-person team. And the whole, uh, you know, culture there was about, you know, execute on a plan, execute on strategy, but do it in a team. Do it as part of the team. Um, so it wasn't just, you know, one person out there in front. It wasn't just um, accolades for you or them. Or It was about how we all achieved. And so that was something that I always carried with me uh, from that point on, that how, how do you build that? the collaboration and the sense of teamwork and all getting to the same place together um, idea. And you know, go ahead. Yeah. Brenda, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, it, it makes total sense because, you know, having worked with you firsthand multiple times, that's one of the things that my team always um, states about you as a client is how team oriented you are. You're very inclusive, very collaborative, not only to your internal team, but also to your vendors like us who, you know, are often called upon to jump in um, and maybe manage a project on your behalf or take care of a detail or to, you know, turnkey a job. And you are always so, um, your leadership style is always the good for all you know, how, what works for everybody to get the best end result. And hearing your story, it really makes sense um, where you come from and um, how you've adopted that leadership style. Um, I think that that is a huge differentiator of, of your personal brand and really um, indicative of what the experience is like when working with Hunt um, from a vendor standpoint. So kudos to you for that. That is, um, we are often celebrating our the clients that we feel like are um, firm but fair and um, always having the end goal in mind, uh, which is to get to a win, right? So (laughs) um, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I do have a question though. When you're making the transition from outside the industry into retail development and then to lend lease, I mean, talk about a big global brand, right? Australian owned Mm -hmm. brand. Um, That is 
uh, oftentimes a really hard transition, not just for the marketer, but for the employer. So talk to Mm -hmm. me a little bit about, you know, why did it work with you? We hear time and time again, um, marketers who try to transition into the built environment from other industries, whether they're B2B or B2C industries, and they get to a construction company or they go to an architectural firm and the employer's not really sure what to do with this new breed of person in their firm, this non-billable marketing person. Right. And the marketing person is eager to please, but not sure how. So what are some of the things mm-hmm. you did to bridge that learning curve? Well, that's probably not even a simple answer. I think uh, a couple things. I always, I always try to come in with a great attitude. And I think I hire people who have great attitudes. That's really important. I think you can teach a lot of things. Uh, you can't teach that. You've either got that or you don't. And so I also try to look at, you know, what skills do I have that are translatable regardless of where I'm planted, where I'm sitting? Um, we all have skills that you can put to use if you understand where the employer, where your employer is trying to go um, to try to figure out how you can add value um, and always be trying to add value. Um, I Josh Hunt actually has a really... Um, a good thing, he always says, you know, don't confuse, you know, success for busyness. And so just because you're busy doesn't mean you're actually getting anywhere. And you've really got to start thinking about how you're moving the needle and how you're proving that you're moving the needle. Um, I don't care if you have the, like an admin job or you're, you know, SVP. It's, that's your job is to figure out how you can move, move their strategy forward. Um, and it takes a lot of listening. And I think maybe that's where a lot of people fall short. Um, I am an introvert by nature. And so I am a, I'm a listener. I will listen and, and, and take things back and think about them. I'm, I'm not one to just shoot from the hip. Um, but that's just my personality. And so I think that that has served me well. Um, I can think about dynamics and I can think about the people in the room and what their individual objectives are and um, how I can plug into that. And sometimes it's just you find a person that you can help add value. And um, at Hunt, people are always going in a million different directions. It's just crazy busy. And everyone has, has different needs at different times. And so I'm always trying to outreach and say, what, what is it that you need right now? What, what, how can I help you do what you're doing? Um, and there's times when there isn't anything at the moment, you know, and other people are very busy and need lots of help. So I don't know. I just try to I plug in where I can. and. Um, you know, when I started with, I'm sorry, go ahead. I keep interrupting you and I'm sorry, but what you're saying is no. really resonating with me. But how do you breathe that with your team? Because it's not just you. It's, mm-hmm. every, it's every person on your team carries that torch of bringing value and being collaborative and, you know, quite honestly, very forgiving when mistakes happen because as long as, you know, the people making the mistakes own those mistakes. But, um, but how do you breed that from a leadership standpoint with marketers who I find are, you know, oftentimes not sure where they fit inside a construction company or inside a development company because they're not the front line, but they're so critical to the support mechanism, and especially when chasing that new job or that new client. Um, how do mm-hmm. you make sure that that brand promise lives beyond yourself and extends to every member of your team? It's, uh, you know, hiring the right people, you know, Judy, is one of the hardest things to do. Mm-hmm. And it's the scariest thing in me, for me in my job. I, I get terrified of hiring the wrong person because it is a, a drag. It really will take, set you back if after six months you've 
interviewed, hired, onboarded, trained the wrong person. Um, and if they're the wrong person in a good team, it becomes very obvious very quickly. Right. And it can have such an infection. Um, so I think really carefully thinking about your team, the synergy of the team, not everyone doesn't have to be the same. Um, Cause you know, um, the person I work most closely with at hunt is very different from me. Um, but we offset each other. So it's, we're comfortable challenging. You got to be comfortable to challenge each other, comfortable asking each other questions. Why are you doing that? What about this? What if we did this? Um, and, and, and just having an internal team culture where it's okay to critique and to be trying to um, make a better product in the end. That's what, you know, Cindy Gersh is, you know, who I'm talking about. We, that's where we're always focused. She reviews my material. I review her material. She, you know, we sit in strategy sessions and challenge each other. We'll wait. I don't agree with that. And it's all fine. It's, there's no uh, feeling, you know, bad feelings about that. Right. Because you're the after day. the same goal. You want the best yep. product at the end. That's, that's phenomenal. But not everybody is like that. And it's, we've, you know, we've brought, we've had third parties, people involved in, in, in projects who, who get very offended by that approach or don't understand, you know, what we're trying to do or why we're disagreeing with each other vehemently in a meeting <laughs> because we're we're interrogating a, a, tr a problem, and um, not everybody can hang with that, you know. Right. Well, and there's um, one thing you mentioned. You know, I, I do think that hiring the right person makes makes a ton of difference, and certainly having that trust in one another, where you can ask the hard questions, and they understand. Hey, this is not me. You know, personally trying to be ugly towards you. I'm trying to be, you know, make the best decision to move the business forward. But someone young in their career that that may not know the answer or, or may not really know how to 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 start having those conversations, maybe could you share some like kind of early in your career? How did you work with your partners or, or work with maybe the executives in some cases to build credibility to help you get to where you are today as that, that SVP? Well, I think two, two things kind of come to mind, I, you know, f you know, find a good mentor, someone who is, uh, will be a sounding board for you, who will tell you the truth without worrying about hurting feeling your feelings. Uh, who you can go ask for advice about how to approach, how to do, how to improve. And then I think in my, you know, very practically, I ask a lot of questions. And sometimes you don't have to be confrontational. It's just a clarification question that helps everyone sort of think about something maybe a little bit differently. Um, and, and for those people who are in a room with, you know, executives and you're sort of a low man on the totem pole, you know, sometimes just asking a question um, Get your voice in the room. I heard that advice early on because, again, I'm an introvert. Um, sometimes that first time, just getting your voice in the room will get you over a hurdle. And we all need clarification. Anyone can, you know, ask, you know, I don't understand that. Can you explain that a little bit further? Or really, I, I thought it was X, Y, Z, and you just said it was this. And I'd like to understand that better. I think those are just very practical ways to kind of um, be seen. And, and and also get some value out of being in a meeting. Because if you're in a meeting and you, you have nothing to contribute, you probably shouldn't be there. Yeah. And I, you know, I, um, I've always been in marketing in this very technical space. And early in my career, I was highly intimidated 
to be in the room with, you know, the, the lead architect or the um, mm-hmm. senior project manager or project executive and didn't really know how to, to hone my voice. But I found in every occasion, every firm that I worked in, whenever I would ask a question like, hey, help me understand why, you know, we're going about it this way versus this way. Last time, you know, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. Every single time those technical, you know, folks were very accommodating at entertaining my question and helping me bridge that that technical gap that I didn't have, you know, because I wasn't an architect, an engineer, or a contractor. And I, I grew pretty quickly by just being open to asking those questions and sometimes just asking a, a very dumb question and, and erring on the side of, okay, I know this may be a dumb question, but help me understand X, Y, Z. And they were like, oh yeah, well, you know, here's your answer. And that kind of helped me get over the hurdle of, of not knowing how, you know, as an introvert to myself, how, how to have a voice, mm-hmm. how to start putting the pieces together. The other thing that you mentioned a little bit earlier that I think is true of you and, and other folks on the hunt team that I've interacted with is you guys do have this culture of always be learning. You know, you're, you're always mm-hmm. looking to learn from one another. You're always looking for new tools to bring onto the team. You're looking to work smarter. Um, You're not necessarily wanting to get there first, but you definitely want to find ways to work smarter. So in today's, you know, fast paced space, and and you're certainly traveling more than just about any of our other clients out there, you've got a hundred brands that feels like that you're managing. How do you stay up to date with the things in in the marketing world and in the hunt world and design and construction? What are you doing there? Yeah. I mean, I, I read everything I can. I, I read voraciously um, across lots of different genres. Um, and I, and I listen to podcasts like this one and I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm, I'm a member of various organizations that have, have great um, learning tools and resources on anything you can imagine. Um, and so I, I find that there, the resources are there if you go looking for them um, within any industry you know, find the um, industry organization that, you know, leads the way and, and they'll have lots of opportunities to learn through conferences or, you know, reading resources or um, just networking and asking, you know, being in, in, in the room with very smart people. Um, I always like, I know I'm not the smartest person in the room, um, but I, I'm always listening and, um, and I'm willing to ask, ask a question um, when I don't understand something. And that's, um, being being just open, like you said, open to learning is is really a key. Um, there and there's lots of people who will help you too. You know, if you if you went to um, a senior executive and said, you know, look, I want to learn more. What can I do? Is there an organization I should join? Is there something I should read? Is there you know uh, some some you know learning I, I can do? Um, where could I get that? And and nine times out of ten, they'd be very happy to help. Yeah, I think, you know, those executives out there that have young marketing professionals or even more seasoned ones that are taking a, an active role in understanding the business, um, that's an invested employee, right? You, you want to yeah. keep re- reaping the benefit of that investment. And if, as long as they're engaged, they're just going to be more invested in helping your brand move forward. So, Brenda, tell us a little bit about current day challenges um, and information management. One of the things that I will also tout about your group is while you're constantly learning and looking at new tools and technologies and resources, um, I know when we work with you, you know, we use um, tools like Basecamp to communicate and we, you know, you have such a wealth of knowledge about 
how to do things efficiently and more effectively. What are some of your go-to tools that you use day-to-day with your cross-functional teams and your outside vendors? Yeah, it is a lot of data management, that is for sure. And if you if you can set up systems um, and software that are useful, it can, it's a huge time saver. So we use a couple different things. We use SharePoint and ShareFile um, within our groups. SharePoint we use uh, typically when it involves other outside um, entities are involved. So we're using consultants or um, you know other companies are, are teaming with us on projects. Um, it's it's a great tool for that. They can access, we can edit at the same time documents, and so I, I really like SharePoint um, for that purpose. You know, you mentioned Basecamp. We used Basecamp for a long time, and I still do use it. Um, it it's a little bit. It's not as good of a sort of filing system, if you will, to be more more difficult to sort of find things that you've uploaded there. Um, but it's a great like file sharing program, um, and it's very intuitive, very easy. Uh, we use Consensual uh, for essentially our data management. So when we're trying to make sure our, you know, executive bios and, and project information and, um, you know, company data is consistent, anybody can go in there and grab a bio and it's the most recent. That's, that's the goal. Um, wow. So that it doesn't live with one person. It's, it's, it lives in the system and, and then we're not recreating something um, many times over. Um, project information, you can, you know, pull project information and it co- it's constantly updated. So, you know, as we do these different various pursuits or various projects, we're always getting and finding new information that is needed. And so then it goes in the system and there it lives. Um, it's not stuck in someone's, you know, file folder on their desktop that no one else has access to. Um, so those are some really um, useful tools. And share file uh, we use within my team for you know, document storage, basically. Uh, it's where all of our you know, active day-to-day operational materials are, our, our documents and our, our information and our checklists and our, that sort of thing um, lives there. We also have like a photo library. We use Zenfolio for a photo library. Um, I found when I first got here, there are photos that lived all over the place. I mean, this, this company has been in business since 1947. So you can imagine um, the the oh, myriad of, of yeah. yeah. So we we consolidated all of that, and now it's in one place, and it's um, easy to to sort through and find whatever you might be looking for. So. Well, adopting just one of those tools is no small task. The fact that you have such a rich uh, mark, what we call a Marcom technology stack, working together to make your job more efficient, I think is. Um, something that more and more companies are curious about, not real, sh- real sure what tools you use. So that was super helpful for you to name drop some mm-hmm. of the actual tools you're using. Um, and, you know, a lot of uh, marketers that I talk to at your level, Brenda, they find that, you know, the strategy component of their job is not just on the external facing, you know, winning work side, but it's also on the communications, internal and external communications. And how do we um, manage our, um, information, the data management collection and, you know, distribution of that information through all of those technology tools you just named. Um, I would imagine the relationship between you and your IT director is probably um, closer than, you know, traditionally, you know, when I started in the industry 20 years ago, the IT guy never talked to the marketing person. <laughs> now it's hard to go a day without having some sort of conversation or some sort of communication um, on the IT front. Talk about 
like the integration of technology and, and marketing today. And we just have so much more data available to us. How do we capitalize on that to go to market? Well, that's uh, so true. And uh, Carl Schausser, who's our um, uh, chief information officer uh, for Hunt, is is a fantastic guy. He's been with Hunt for, I'm going to be wrong here, but 22, 25 years, something like that. And he's relatively young. So it's basically, you know, he's seen, he's seen it from the beginning, um, all of this transition. And well, when I joined Hunt, they were still doing paper newsletters internally. Wow. And so it, uh, yeah, it's... Um, very different today. Um, you know, we have obviously have an intranet and we implemented that five years ago, six years ago, something like that. Um, and it continues to evolve and change and improve. Um, it, it, it's used very widely. Um, we had 1200 employees when I started, we have 6,000 today. Um, so it just gives you an idea. It's, 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 a, it's been, um, quite an evolution and, um, trying to communicate strategy and business direction and, 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 and just frankly, things happening in the business, things that people are doing and, you know, wins that we have or, you know, new projects that we're working on and status of things is very difficult. Um, we implemented a, a yearly, uh, we call state of the business address. So our uh, executive level team, our C-suite uh, spends an hour, two hours on the phone with all of the employees and they go through the performance from the prior year and where we're headed in the next year. And then it'll you know, open up for questions and you know, that people really enjoy that. It's, it's a chance for them to, to listen to and ask questions of um, people that they don't get to interact with all the time. Um, and I know that happens on a more frequent basis within each of the business units. Um, so our other division heads then do that throughout the year, you know, passing down information um, through their organization Um, on a more regular basis. So those are some things that we've done. I mean, it's the whole landscape of it has has changed so much. I mean, we've got Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and, you know, integrating all of our, getting all of our employees on those platforms. Um, It's been something we've been working to do. And it's funny you should say that because, you know, I remember when social media first surfaced and IT groups were locking down the, you know, Wi-Fi so that people couldn't be on Facebook at work. And now we're reverse engineering all that so people can actively share and post and engage in company content. So, you know, the the culture of social media has definitely changed within our industry and it's um, interesting um, how much companies are embracing uh, their employees being on social media because I think that um, there's an acceptance now that it further enhances your brand reach with a much larger, wider digital audience. Yeah. And, something and you know, it's constant push and pull. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, good. Yeah, I guess it's a constant push and pull between, you know, opening that up and, and engaging and then being careful and safe too, you know, with our, with our, our systems. So exactly. it's, it's always a little bit of like, we'll go forward and then back and then forward a little bit more. And so just trying to find that balance of, of, you know, what makes our system safe, but also allows this uh, broader engagement. Exactly. So you mentioned um, a whole host of tools and, and you've talked at length a little bit about your team and hiring the right team. I'm curious um, in your role and, in, in the executive team that you're reporting to, what are those key performance indicators, those KPIs that you are actively tracking and reporting on? Like, are you looking for employee engagement and who all is liking and sharing the posts from the company 
LinkedIn page? Are you tracking, you know, how many people are engaging with your website? What does that look like for, for you and your firm? Yeah, certainly, uh, you know, the, the, the website engagement and the Google analytics and, and all that's important. We, we monitor, you know, we have Facebook sites for all of the communities that we, that we own and, you know, monitoring the engagement and the response rate on that is super important. Um, so we have some standards in terms of how long it takes to have a response to a, a problem or complaint or um, a question. Um, you know, we obviously, you know, as you know, we do a lot of business development. So what's our win ratio uh, around that business development, um, new, new business work that we're, that we're trying to secure. Um, that's probably, those are probably the biggest, the biggest ones. Um, and then you know, there's a lot of other little KPIs that we, how many people attended the state of the business address or, um, you know, that sort of, uh, when we do press releases, we do, you know, we, we monitor all of those and report back on um, the visibility of, of those, that, that effort. Because obviously if you're going to do it, you want to understand how, how broadly did it get picked up and where right. did it get picked up and yeah. that sort of thing. You don't just send it out there into the abyss. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know in our engagements with you guys, um, we're not the only marketing agency that we that you work with. You are not your only consultant. Um, I do believe that that your company has probably embraced outsourcing um, to a level that that a lot of other firms might might uh, cross with with a great deal of trepidation. But for our listeners who are thinking about whether or not it's possible to outsource, you know easy things like RFPs or presentation coaching or, you know, they're thinking about uh, redoing their website or having someone come in and do a social media audience um, audit for their profiles. What would you share um, in terms of do's and don'ts when, when hiring a consultant that you've found to be most beneficial finding that right partner? I think that would be helpful. You probably have more experience than anybody else we've worked with in that area. It's uh, you want, you want it to be a good, you would, I would look at it just as though I was, I'm bringing them onto my team. And I would say that when I'm working with a, a, a consultant or an agency, I consider you an extension of me. And so I want that to be a good cultural fit. I want to feel like um, there's trust, um, that they're, they have, they're capable, of course, that they actually can do the work that you want them to do. Um, but that, you know, it's somebody you want to work with. Um, you, we all spend a lot of time at the office and I, I want to work with people that I enjoy being around. And um, that could do the work. So I think if you think of it like, would I would I actually hire this person or these people internally? That's a pretty good, I think, litmus test uh, to begin with. And and also to have very clearly defined, um, you know, scope of work for them. Sure. Um, I tend to be more on the side of I I like everything defined very clearly, so there's no misunderstanding and. Um, and that they can go, yes, I, yeah, I can do it. I can do it in that time frame and for that cost. Um, rather than getting down the road and being like, oh, I, that's not what we do, or we never could have done that in that time frame. I don't know why you think that, you know. <laughs> so um, having, the, having those very uh, clear expectations up front um, is always good. And, I, you know, I've worked in situations, when I first started at Hunt, uh, the first thing that we did, that I was charged with doing was rebranding this company. And, um, they were about to embark on new business outside of what was at that time their single client-facing business, which was military housing. So their client was the DOD and all the branches of service that are associated with that. Um, and they knew they were had to be poised 
to diversify. And so I had three different agencies working with me at the same time on that rebrand effort. Um, and that's just a lot of, you know, personalities to manage. And just being able to be the be diplomatic with them and to foster a sense of trust around that so that everyone hopefully felt like what they were saying or suggesting or inputting or was, was, was there to add value and everybody had an even footing. And um, so I, I think that was very successful. And um, one of the things I point to as one of the things I'm proudest of having done is working on that project with those agencies and then embedding that brand within Hunt um, internally, you know, having it adopted internally uh, is, is always a challenge. So um, that's my advice for agencies. You find, find, find the best you can get, but make sure you can trust them and you want to work with them. That's great. And I, I want to be mindful of your time. I, I could sit here and pick your brain all day long cause you are very easy to talk to you and, um, enjoyable to work with as well. And I know that you are probably an inspiration to many of our female listeners. A lot of individuals in the design and construction space, as you know, are female working in the marketing departments. And a lot of them feel, I think, the pressure to choose between obligations with their family and with their careers. And Mm -hmm. some of it find them some of them may find it quite difficult because it is such a deadline-driven environment when you factor in proposals and presentations and events and trade shows. And I know Hunt is a workplace that that supports women executives. You're, you're not the only one, and certainly we've interacted with others. So what advice would you give um, CEOs out there on how they might be able to better accommodate the needs of working mothers so that they can get the benefits that, that Hunt's gotten out of, you know, you or, and Cindy and the rest of your team. Any advice there? Well, I think give the flexibility that, that they need. Um, as long as the work's getting done and it's getting done to your expectation and on time and all of those sorts of things, give the, give the flexibility to, for them to be where they need to be. Um, I tend to be one who'll get up at five in the morning and be right on my computer working. Um, and then I know if my daughter's got something going on at school, I'm going to go at two o'clock and, and be part of that because I've already put in at that point right. eight hours in the day. So I, um, and I work late. I, look, I work whenever I need to work. And sometimes I feel like I'm always working, but that's, that's how I am. And I, you know, I'm a little bit of a workaholic, um, but I also make, <laughs> I'm serious about making time for my family. And when it's my family time, it's my family time. Absolutely. And I've been very fortunate that um, both at Lindley's and, and here at Hunt, they, they've embraced that and, and been very flexible with that for both me and, and the people in my team. So um, I for sure, you know, believe that is important. and. Um, per- try to perpetuate that through the people that I'm that I oversee, and I think that I've um, probably proven enough, you know, that I'm I am available 24/7. It may just be, you know, at two o'clock that afternoon. I'm not <laughs> um, to send that email or to send that, you know. So I just manage your time and 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 try to have some flexibility so that you can have a life and you can have a family and you can do the things. Those are important things. Those are not. Those aren't side things. Those are, those should be central. And if you have happy employees, they'll work harder. I mean, it's simple. Absolutely. So Brenda here at Smartagies, we call that work-life integration because I think, you know, uh, balance is a kind of a lofty goal, right? (laughs) 
especially mm-hmm. if you're a working mother and, and you're in a, a high level leadership position like you are. Um, but you're right. I mean, the life part is really important. It's kind of why the work park needs to happen. So um, being very diligent about making sure that, you know, you're carving out enough time for your family um, as much as you're, you know, dedicated to your, to your work. Um, we like the idea of work-life integration because what we tell our employees is if, you know, the work has to happen when it needs to happen and life needs to happen when it needs to happen. And sometimes they're happening at the same time. And if you can figure out that juggle, then you're going to be really successful. Um, But what it looks like is exactly what you said. If you know you have to leave early, then you're in early or you're working Mm -hmm. at night after your children are asleep or, Mm -hmm. you know, you're, I can't tell you how many times along the sidelines of a soccer field I have my laptop, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, being present when you need to be present is important. Um, but also for, you know, so many of our clients with more and more women entering leadership roles and um, technical roles and operational roles in our industry um, that historically has been very male dominated, I think their women labor force is very, very valuable and not to take anything away from the men, but if you allow them to meet all of their obligations, uh, you're going to have a really happy employee and your return on that is far more than uh, the flexibility that you are, you know, the things that you're giving up to afford that flexibility. So um, I'm so happy when I hear companies that are have been around as long as Hunt has been around um, are changing with the times and have are not only changing, but pioneering that mindset and the environment you work in. Yeah. And I do think a lot of times it's being pushed from the, the ground up, you know, and because it's, it's a, it's a necessity and it's, it's gotta, it's gotta be embraced and it's gotta be um, fostered, you know, that, that acceptance of, of this other life that we all have. Um, and I think that that's, that's how it had a big effect. Just the women saying, you know what? I worked all weekend. And so Friday, I'm going to cut out a little early. You know, it's, it's, mm-hmm. you, you just got to be, and hopefully we can all find environments where that's okay to do um, and accepted to do. So, you know, to summarize today with our listeners, Brenda, we, I just really want to thank you for your time again. I think the, the big takeaways for me in this conversation is to, to make sure you're listening intently whenever you're in those meetings and, and being present when you're there, finding a chance to speak up and to be brave and be bold and ask questions. Um, for those young listeners out there that are early in their careers, finding a mentor or an internal subject matter expert that can help answer some more technical questions and a on a one-to-one basis um, for teams out there and, and executives that are listening, employing tools that help your team work smarter and more efficiently, helping with that collaboration so that you can benefit from a broader team perspective um, will certainly prove helpful. And then of course, if you are looking to add to your project team members, hiring smart, whether that's hiring someone for your internal team or hiring an agency or consultant, find the right person, find the right partner that's going to make your lives easier. 
um, doing so, make sure you set clear expectations on what those roles are, what the expectation of the roles are going to be. And lastly, you know, giving flexibility to your team that they need so that they can have that work-life integration and, and trusting the team ultimately to get the work done, um, whether it's at the soccer field or if it's at home or, you know, if it's in the office before the official HVAC system kicks on um, because you're putting in the time early. So Brenda, again, thank you for your time. Judy, thank you for, as always, you know, adding to the conversation and everybody out there. We hope you have a great week. Thank you both. Appreciate it. You've been listening to AEC Marketing for Principals, brought to you by Smartergies. If you like this episode, please let us know by visiting AECMarketingPodcast.com, where you can learn more ways to position your brand and sell to owners. 